The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Wednesday, April 1st, 2020. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, we've reached the end of the John Legere era. Samsung thinks we've reached the end of the LCD era. Comcast is inadvertently proving ISP data caps are BS. Is Zoom a victim of its own success? And it's maybe not overstating things to say it's past time for Amazon to start thinking more humanely about people. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. As anticipated, John Legere has stepped down as T-Mobile CEO after that company successfully completed its merger with Sprint. President and COO Mike Sievert takes over as the combined company's CEO. Quoting CNBC, In an interview with CNBC's David Faber during Squawk on the Street Wednesday, Sievert said that T-Mobile plans to, quote, start lighting up 5G on what was Sprint's spectrum almost immediately. That'll start to benefit consumers who have come from both sides of this merger immediately, Sievert added. Asked by Faber whether the current COVID-19 outbreak would slow development of 5G, Sievert said there may be some hiccups with local municipalities, but that the company is still pushing forward, quote, We've been classified as essential services, so we're allowed to continue operating, he said. We've determined from a network standpoint, we can do that safely. Individual crews of one person, sometimes it's three, four, five people that arrive in separate cars and work at a safe distance from each other. Other than some issues around permitting, we don't see a slowdown in our ability to bring this network to scale, end quote. Yes, but how does he feel about wearing pinkish, purplish shirts every day? Another changing of the guard, end of an era alert, Samsung Display has announced that it will end all of its production of LCD panels in South Korea and China by the end of 2020, amid the falling global demand for LCD panels. Quoting Anandtech, As recently as last year, Samsung Display had two LCD production facilities in South Korea and another two LCD plants in China. Back in October, the company halted production of one of the South Korean factories and now plans to suspend production of LCDs at the remaining three facilities due to the low profitability and oversupply of traditional LCDs. Instead, the company will be turning its attention toward the quantum dot-enhanced OLED displays, a new technology for Samsung. This would be distinct from the company's current QLED displays, which use quantum dots to enhance LCD displays. Samsung previously announced their plans to invest a whopping $11 billion in QD OLED production. And now those plans are moving one step closer to completion as the company gets ready to wind down traditional LCD production, end quote. To quote a popular soccer song without actually singing it, if I can avoid it, it's happened again. Marriott has been forced to disclose a new data breach from mid-January that it says has affected 5.2 million hotel guests by exposing their personal contact information, including mailing addresses and phone numbers. Quote, 
According to a breach notification posted on its website, the hotel chain learned of the security breach at the end of February, when it discovered that a hacker had used the login credentials of two employees from one of its franchise properties to access customer information from the app's back-end systems. The hotel chain said that the intruders had direct access to Marriott Bonvoy loyalty data, such as contact details, loyalty account information, additional personal details, partnerships and affiliations, and preferences. The hotel said that at this moment in the investigation, it did not believe that the hacker gained access to account passwords, account pins, payment card information, passport information, national IDs, or driver's license numbers, end quote. Marriott launched a web portal where the app's users can check if they're one of the 5.2 million users impacted by the security breach and what data the hacker might have accessed. And let me re-up on this because I really want this to be reinforced in people's minds. All of those years where ISPs were charging us for data caps because something, something, hand-waving, limited capacity on networks, or some such BS. Once more, this crisis has revealed that, yes, that's exactly what it was. It was all BS. Comcast has been among the ISPs that have been eliminating data caps during the pandemic. And data from Comcast shows that that has had little effect on network data speeds, even as peak traffic on those networks has increased as much as 32%. Quoting Ars Technica, who breaks down why this is all BS, with Comcast's network performing so well during the pandemic, why did Comcast's data cap exist in the first place? The answer has always been money, of course. A Comcast executive once acknowledged in a Twitter reply that imposing data caps is a business decision, not one driven by technical necessity but it might be useful to re-examine Comcast's previous justifications for the data cap now that the arbitrary limit is temporarily gone and Comcast could face public pressure to make it go away forever. Comcast's official line is that it imposes a data cap to ensure fairness among its customers, which is not the same thing as saying data caps are necessary to prevent network congestion. But Comcast has occasionally spoken of internet data as if it's a depletable resource, like water or gas. Using more broadband data is like driving farther in your car and thus using more gasoline or turning the air conditioning on higher and, quote, consuming more electricity. The same is true for broadband usage, Comcast CEO Brian Roberts said in 2015. That's when the company was rolling the cap out through much of its 39-state territory. Comcast also makes sure to never call the data cap a data cap, but rather a data plan. But Comcast's commitment to fairness coincidentally doesn't apply in the Northeast United States, where it faces strong competition from Verizon's uncapped fiber-to-the-home Fios service. Comcast was giving customers in the Northeast states unlimited data all along, even before the pandemic, despite imposing the caps in 27 other states. Customers in northeastern states don't experience this particular brand of Comcast-imposed fairness, but those customers don't seem to mind, since they can use their internet as much as they like without paying overage fees, end quote. When you go through airport security, there's one line where the TSA agent checks your ID and another line where a machine scans your bag. The same thing happens in enterprise security, but instead of passengers and luggage, it's end users and their devices. These days, most companies are pretty good at the first part of the equation where they check user identity. 
but user devices can roll right through authentication without getting inspected at all. In fact, 47% of companies allow unmanaged, untrusted devices to access their data. That means an employee can log in from a laptop that has its firewall turned off and hasn't been updated in six months. Or worse, that laptop might belong to a bad actor using employee credentials. Collide finally solves the device trust problem. Collide ensures that no device can log into your Octa-protected apps unless it passes your security checks. Plus, you can use Collide on devices without MDM, like your Linux fleet, contractor devices, and every BYOD phone and laptop in your company. Visit collide.com slash ride to watch a demo and see how it all works. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash ride, collide.com slash ride. How do you make a password that's strong enough so no one will guess it and it's impossible for you to forget and do it for a hundred different sites and make it so everyone in your company can do the same without ever needing to reset them? Sounds impossible unless you have one password. More than any other product I've ever told you about, I can vouch 1,000% for 1Password. I can't live without it. 1Password makes strong security easy for your people and gives you the visibility you need to take action when you need to. Any device, any time, 1Password lets you securely switch between iPhone, Android, Mac, and PC with convenient features like autofill for quick sign-ins. All you have to remember is the one strong account password that protects everything else. Your logins, your credit cards, secure notes, or the office Wi-Fi password. 1Password's award-winning password manager is trusted by millions of users and over 100,000 businesses from IBM to Slack. It beat out 40 other options to become Wirecutter's top pick for password managers. Right now, my listeners get a free two-week trial at 1Password.com slash ride for your growing business. That's two free weeks at 1Password.com slash ride. Don't let security slow your business down. Go to 1Password.com slash ride. So this is really becoming a thing. The rolling concerns about Zoom and security seem to be spreading. Bleeping Computer, for example, says a vulnerability in Zoom's Windows client would let attackers steal Windows login credentials of users who click on malicious links inside chat messages. Quote, The Zoom Windows client is vulnerable to UNC path injection in the client's chat feature that could allow attackers to steal the Windows credentials of users who click on the link. When using the Zoom client, meeting participants can communicate with each other by sending text messages through a chat interface. When sending a chat message, any URLs that are sent are converted into hyperlinks so that other members can click on them to open a web page in their default browser. The problem is that security researcher A underscore God mode discovered that the Zoom client will convert Windows networking UNC paths into a clickable link in the chat message as well. You may be wondering what is so bad about that. Well, if a user clicks on a UNC path link, Windows will attempt to connect to the remote site using the SMB file sharing protocol to open the remote cat.jpg file. When doing this, by default, Windows will send the user's login name and their NTLM password hash, which can be cracked using free tools like Hashcat, Dhash, or reveal the user's password, end quote. And on top of this, another security researcher has found that Zoom uses what he calls shady techniques to install its Mac app without any user intervention. Quote, ever wonder how the Zoom Mac OS installer does its job without you ever clicking install? Turns out that they use slash abuse pre-installation scripts, manually unpack the app using a bundled 7-zip 
and install it to applications. If the user is in the admin group, no root needed. If the app is already installed, but the current user is not admin, they will use a helper tool called Zoom Authentication Tool and the Authorization Execute with Privileges API to spawn a password prompt identifying as system to gain root, including a typo. This is not strictly malicious, but very shady and definitely leaves a bitter aftertaste. The application is installed without the user giving his final consent, and a highly misleading prompt is used to gain root privileges, the same tricks that are being used by macOS malware, end quote. As Tom Warren notes in The Verge, the storm clouds that are gathering for Zoom are sort of a case of with great popularity comes great scrutiny, right? Once you're wearing the crown, people tend to be more interested in what you're up to, and yes, Ease of use is what has helped Zoom rise to the top of the video chat scrum. But sometimes the methods that allow you to win can actually lead you to be the victim of your own success. We've not even discussed the whole Zoom bombing phenomenon wherein strangers can butt their way into your Zoom events and flash pornography or troll you, as recently happened to an online meeting of members of Alcoholics Anonymous. I mean, The person administering a Zoom call has little to no control over who can come and go inside the call and what they can do when there. That seems like a pretty fundamental design flaw to me. Quoting Tom Warren, Ultimately, Zoom is feeling the effects of a rare moment for the app. The video conferencing app was never designed for the myriad of ways consumers are now using it. Zoom doesn't require an account. It's free for 40-minute meetings, and it's reliable. The barriers to entry are so low and the coronavirus pandemic so unusual that Zoom is suddenly in the spotlight as a crucial tool for many. Zoom may well be forced to tighten up the very parts of its app that make it so appealing for consumers and businesses alike in the coming months. The company now faces some tough decisions on how to better balance its default settings, user privacy, and ultimately its ease of use. Zoom's appeal has been its simple approach to video conferencing, but that crucial ingredient now threatens to be its downfall unless it gets a firm grip on the growing concerns, end quote. And Nilay Patel tweeted, quote, The biggest question facing Zoom is whether these gaffes are more move-fast-break-things mistakes or reflective of a deeper culture of disrespect for user privacy, or both. Also, you sort of expect these issues as consumer products go to the enterprise, but Zoom is an enterprise product, and it appears that none of its enterprise customers did any sort of worthwhile vendor security review, end quote. Remember how we reported that Amazon is hustling to try to hire hundreds of thousands of new employees? Sources are telling Bloomberg that Amazon has indeed been holding job fairs in various cities, but those job fairs took place in packed rooms and followed no special precautions while also ignoring social distancing guidelines. Just going to read from this lead from Bloomberg, quote, In March, a laid-off customer service representative for one of the airline companies attended an Amazon employee orientation in Dallas. He found himself packed into a room with about 70 other applicants sitting shoulder to shoulder to watch a PowerPoint presentation about what it's like to work for the online retailer. The man who provided a smartphone photo to document his experience said the event was exactly like one he attended last year for a seasonal holiday job with Amazon. In other words, there were no special precautions to keep attendees safe from the coronavirus. When the man raised concerns about the crowded conditions, he said an Amazon manager mocked him and a fellow recruit sneered. 
Quote, they made jokes and told me to leave if I was unhappy, he said, adding that one manager said Amazon's operations were exempt from the rules because the company is considered an essential service. Quote, they didn't care one tiny bit, end quote. The former customer rep took the job, but still worries about getting sick. Amazon also ignored official social distancing guidelines at hiring events near Portland, Oregon, and in Kenosha, Wisconsin, according to two applicants. A fourth person who attended an Amazon job fair in West Jefferson, Ohio, said she was sent home and asked to return another day because the gathering was too crowded, suggesting precautionary measures are in place, at least at some events, or Amazon is changing its practices, end quote. Yeah, remember some months ago when I was speculating as to whether or not it seemed like Amazon had suddenly pivoted into lawless, reckless cowboy mode? Yeah, well... I want to end today by also flagging this analysis of Amazon from Casey Newton in his newsletter this morning. Yeah, Amazon has been struggling to keep up with the coronavirus surge all this month. We know this. We empathize. The Wall Street Journal says that every day of March has basically been the equivalent of Black Friday for Amazon. Home and kitchen items, for example, as a category, are up 1,181% this month. Quote, Amazon has been processing from 10 to 40% more packages than normal for this time of year, according to an employee tally at one delivery center. The company's website had 639 million visits for the week of March 9th, according to data from Comscore, up 32% from the year earlier. From February 20th to March 23rd, Amazon sales of toilet paper increased 186% from the year earlier period, according to analytics firm Commerce IQ, which said that before the coronavirus hit, it had forecast a 7% increase for the period. Commerce IQ said sales of cough and cold medicine grew 862% compared with a forecast growth rate of 110%, and children's vitamins by 287% compared with a forecast rate of 49%, end quote. Okay, fair enough. But Casey also makes a point worth considering, quote, the story of Amazon's struggle against the coronavirus is not simply one of demand. It's also a story about the company's increasingly fractious relationship with its own workforce. For years now, a growing body of journalism has documented how Amazon's relentless drive for efficiency, especially in its fulfillment centers, has led to injury and even death. And now these employees are working shoulder to shoulder with colleagues who may be infected with a deadly virus and spreading it before they can even show symptoms. COVID-19 has demonstrated the limits of a workplace that continuously pushes workers to the point of harm in the name of efficiency. When 60% of those workers stop coming into the office for fear of death, as happened recently at a fulfillment center in Southern California, the efficiency of the system is revealed as a lie. It's true that few businesses could have capably prepared for the havoc that will be wreaked by a global pandemic, but it's also true that Amazon's delivery delays are a long time in the making, and it's the company itself just as much as the coronavirus that deserves the blame, end quote. I guess when you're an efficiency hammer, every worker just looks like an efficiency nail to be pounded into the ground until the nails can't take it anymore. Is that the most tortured metaphor I've ever employed on this show? Still, it's worth Amazon stopping and considering. No matter how much they might wish it was otherwise, 
Their entire infrastructure still depends on people, and people can only bend so far, especially in times of crisis. Sometimes actually building in humane allowances can have efficiency benefits that you don't anticipate, and they can come in handy in times of crisis. Hey, you know, I didn't have to talk about any stupid tech April Fool's jokes today. So there's that. Maybe among the things that coronavirus will cancel going forward will be that dumb tradition, which I still blame on Google, but the old Google, the good Google, when it was still a goofy and fun company, and again, a good one. Anyway, talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>